Today's scripture is very personal. We're going to hear the word of the Lord from Mark 5, 1 through 20. Now, I like to bring the scripture to life, so bear with me. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. You see, he lived in those tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains. But he torn the chains apart. He smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he knelt down before him. He cried out in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For Jesus had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion. He answered him, Because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter into them. So Jesus gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside. And the people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described it to them, what had happened to that demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out 
and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, don't put your glasses. Yes, ma'am. Oh, man, I feel like I was in that story. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. She, she was preaching for it, man. Hey, I can just go home. I'm just playing. All right, so a um, couple of housekeeping things. Uh, I, when I, last week, I, if you're paying attention, I preached in Mark 7, okay? What had happened was, is I accidentally skipped two chapters, Okay? So we got to back up a little bit, all right? We're going to back up to chapter 5. At the potluck last week, somebody was like, how do you decide what scriptures you preach? I'm like, I just go to the next one. And I bet they were like, you didn't do that just then. That was not on purpose, okay? <laughs> so I just, I just, the Lord wanted us to hear some of Matthew, uh, some of Mark 7, but we're going to go back it up to 5 because we want to get all of the text, all right? And so when we look at this scripture, I think you could look at it from a purely, like, naturalistic perspective, and you might have a lot of uh, 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 natural things you use to explain, but, but what we see is that there is more than meets the eye in the story of this man in the text. One of my favorite stories in scripture has to do with the prophet Elisha, and the prophet Elisha, he's in his house, and his servant comes to him, and he says, yo, Elisha, there's an army all around us. There's an enemy army. They're going to come get us, and Elisha says, nah, don't worry about it, man. There's more of us than they are of them. And he's like, man, can you count what's going on? Like, it's me and you and an army. What is going on? And then Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he said, when he said that, his servant looked, and he saw these flaming chariots guarding them. What, what this lets us know is that, that there is always more than meets the eye. That we live in a world that has both natural things, but we also live in a world that has supernatural things. And, and what Jesus is, is doing is he's trying to open our eyes so that we can see a little more than we could see before he opened them. He's trying to open our eyes to the fact that there is real spiritual evil. There is real spiritual evil in our world, yet we don't have to fear because Jesus sets people free from spiritual evil. All right, so let's pray and let's dig in. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word. Lord, even when your word is, is, is confounding or confusing, Lord, it is there for a purpose. So, Lord, please open up our eyes and open up our ears that we might understand what you have written and spoken in your word. And would you incline our hearts to obey you? Whatever demands, whatever commands, whatever invitations that you have for us in the text, would we, would we take it so that we can experience true freedom in you? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we get to the, the first verse. It says, they came to the other side of the sea. And they got to stop for a minute. The context is king. Context is king. So what, what just happens? So it's confusing because I preached Mark 7 last week, all right? So anyway, what happened at the end of Mark 4 is that Jesus left what, for, for all intents and purposes, was a profitable, fruitful ministry, and he says to his disciples, we got to go over there. 
So this is Jesus' idea to leave something that doesn't quite make sense because people are flocking to him to hear him preach, and people are getting healed. Jesus, no, we got to go over there. And as soon as he got out of the boat in the region of the Gerasenes, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. Now I want you to understand, everybody was surprised about this except Jesus. It was Jesus' idea to go there in the first place. He knew exactly what he would find there. And he wanted to save this man who was afflicted with these demons. See, Jesus was going to a region that was was Gentile, i.e. it wasn't Jewish. They didn't worship the God of the Bible. So so Jesus went to the quote-unquote spiritually dangerous place on purpose to save this man. See, what we learn from this is that Jesus goes out of his way to seek those who are afflicted. Jesus goes out of his way. In fact, the, the, the eternal son of God crossed the sea from heaven to earth to save those who were bound by Satan. Y'all, Jesus would intentionally go to a hostile place in order to save this man, and we say we follow him. And sometimes Jesus is going to call us to some hostile places so that we can see God's deliverance. Now, that could be a whole sermon, but I need to move on. What we see in the text is that there's real spiritual evil that seeks to harm humanity. Verse 3, the guy who was unclean. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him, not even with a chain. This is wild. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day on the tombs on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him. So notice how the demons are afflicting this man. Look, they, they isolated him. They had him acting so crazy that nobody else in their right, right mind wanted to be near him. I mean, if you see a guy breaking shackles and chains and screaming and cutting himself, you might take a step back too, right? Listen, we were made for communion with God and each other. So isolation is a tool of the enemy. If one is being isolated from God and from other people, there may be a demonic influence. So the demon had isolated him, and not only did they isolate him, they tormented him. This man was in real emotional and physical pain. It wasn't hypothetical. It wasn't metaphorical. There was real pain being caused to this man. Now, let's just back up for a minute. We live in a secular age. We live in the scientific age. Is spiritual evil even real? We got a testimony today. But some, some would question that. And here's the deal. Those who question if spiritual evil is real are often those who have a very naive view of humanity, of evil and suffering. The more that you open up your minds and read the news and talk to people, the more evil and suffering you see. And the more you see, the more you go, this don't seem quite natural. This doesn't seem normal. There are certain evils in this world that that do not even make rational sense. Why Why would somebody do that? 
Even those who aren't religious, they, they kind of they have this language. They say, I don't want no bad vibes. What are they talking about? Even they would realize there's something that I can't quite touch or see, but there's a reality that's, that's bad. So we shouldn't be surprised if the Bible fills out what we have experienced in spiritual Egypt. I don't know about you. There's sometimes I've walked up in a place and I felt, hmm, just felt funky. Something was off. And I knew it. I couldn't quite put it to words. Something, something went right. Well, let's back up even further. What, what are the origins? Where, what does the Bible say the origins of spiritual evil are? The Bible teaches that Satan and demons were spiritual beings created by God who rebelled against him sometime before the creation of the world. In Jude 6, it says, The angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, God has kept in eternal chains and deep darkness for the judgment in the great day. In other words, there were spiritual beings created to serve God, but they began got, got captivated by pride and a desire that I don't want to be ruled by God. I want to rule. I want my own autonomy. I want to do what I want to do. Now, you can look at the demons and go, how crazy, but then does not that sound familiar? I want to do what I want to do. I think I know better. See, these, these evil spirits, they oppose God, they oppose good, they oppose human flourishing. You know, in, in the old days, back in, in the times that the scriptures were written, people used to sacrifice humans to deities. The New Testament called those deities demons. Matter of fact, one of the reasons that, that the people of God, Israel, and the Old Testament get kicked out of their land is because they were sacrificing their children to a false god. We think, man, that's crazy, how evil. But more recently, we have seen humanity sacrificed at the altar of twisted ideas. You know, I, I remember when I was going to school and, and we learned about a thing called the Holocaust. My mind could not comprehend what was going on. It, like, it haunted me. How, what level of evil, what in the world is going on? I remember going to bed thinking about the images that we had seen in, in the textbooks. And I'm like, how, what, why did they, how did it get to this? Or maybe even more re recently, we've heard about the Rwandan genocide. There was, there was a mass, mass murder. Indiscriminate, sometimes in churches. And I go, why? How in the world? It doesn't even make rational sense. And then, I, then I think about some, sometimes our, our own community. I, I used to help a, a youth group in our community years ago, and there was a day where one of, the, one of the young ladies in the youth group literally disappeared. Nobody knew where she was. She reappeared months later, and I'm like, you good? Where you been? And me and Becker... Becca were talking to her, and she described how she had been trafficked in a trailer park that I pass every day, every single day. On the van, when I go and pick up youth, I pass that trailer park. And every time I think about that young lady, I'm like, how could this spiritual evil exist? This is, this is beyond how I stubbed my toe and I'm a little bit angry. There's something twisted and malevolent about it. 
See, listen, if you understand the horrors of this world, you don't have to be convinced about the realities of spiritual evil. See, spiritual evil is clear in the extremes. You give it some extreme example, you're like, oh, that something's messed up there. But certainly, if it's clear in the extremes, I'm sure it's also active on a smaller scale. Yeah? There's, there's this point where, where Jesus is telling uh, his disciples, he says, hey, I'm about to go be crucified. They're going to they're gonna hate me, and, and I'm going to die. And, and Peter goes, no, I rebuke you, Jesus. Now, if you remember the story, Jesus turned around and said to him, get behind me, Satan. He just called Peter Satan. Why? Because Peter was being tempted and motivated by demonic influence. Now, that wasn't some mass murder or some crazy genocide, but that was him being concerned about his own safety, him being concerned about his own status. And Jesus says, that's motivated by spiritual evil. Anybody been tempted before? Sometimes you tempt and you're like, what in the, where did that come from? The scripture is clear that you see this man being tormented. See, demons torment and accuse. I don't know if you ever, if you ever had a thought that kind of hit you like, a, like an arrow. An arrow hits your brain, and you're like, what? This is crazy. Or maybe some supreme guilt or shame. Listen, there is real spiritual evil that seeks to tempt, to accuse, and to torment. We learn in verse 7 that Jesus has authority over spiritual evil and will ultimately judge spiritual evil. Verse 7 and he, the man, the man who was demon-possessed, and he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him, my name is Legion, because we are many. Now, what's interesting is Jesus showed up on the scene, and the demons were not confused about who he was. They, didn't, they, they were like, who is this guy? Like, That's Jesus. That's the son of God. He has come. Oh, what? Listen, listen, listen. The demons knew who Jesus was, and they were afraid of him. This is not a battle between equals, y'all. This is not, you know, there, there was an there NFL game, and you could have, you know, had the, the nail biter last night. But, but listen, that's not how Jesus is fighting demons. Ain't no nail biter, ain't no confusion. They know who he is, and they are afraid. The demons knew that there was a future judgment coming. They said, Jesus, are, are you here to torment us? What are they talking about? In Matthew 25, it teaches us that Jesus will torment the evil spirits in an eternal fire that he prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, Jesus will not let evil slide. He will address this abuse, this, this temptation, and this torment that comes from evil spirits. Listen, and they know it. They said, is, it, is, it, is this today? You about to defeat me today? Jesus does not let evil slide. Now, if he doesn't let evil slide for spiritual evil, he certainly will also address the abuse and the torment caused by humans as well. Now, Satan and demons have a restricted authority. Let me explain what I'm talking about. They do evil 
but are still restrained by God's sovereignty. So Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, they're sitting at dinner, and it's the night, it's the, it's the night of his betrayal, and, and Jesus is like, when are y'all going to betray me? Everybody's like, whoo, you know, and, and he says Judas, but nobody hears that. It's really interesting when you read it. But the Bible says that Satan entered Judas, and Judas went to go betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That was a demonic, satanic, satanic thing that, that Judas did. But did not God use it for our good? Did he not use the betrayal of Jesus, which led to his death, his substitutionary death in our place? Did he not use that for good? There's this, this martial arts form is called Aikido. And Aikido, what it, what it, what it, the whole point is it, it's the use of twisting and throwing techniques, and its, its aim is turning the attacker's strength and momentum against himself. You should Google it. It's really interesting. So somebody comes in, they're going to do a haymaker, they do something fancy, and the dude's on the floor. Use the strength against him. Listen, 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 our, our God is a master of Aikido. <laughs> that, that, that Satan will try to use the, for, the, the ferocious anger and hatred to attack God and attack his people, and God can just turn it, and he can use it for his own good. So spiritual evil is real, but, but, but it's almost like, like Satan, is, Satan is like an attack dog, but, but he's on a leash. You feel me? I don't know about you. If you grew up in certain neighbors, in certain neighborhoods, you scared of dogs. Let's just keep it 100. Everybody asked me, why you don't like dogs? Well, you ain't grew up where I grew up. All right, dogs wasn't friendly, okay? <laughs> There's some streets you just walked around. <laughs> you ain't going to go down that street. There is a limit. There's a limit to what spiritual evil can do. But here's the thing. The evil of humanity itself is restrained and aimed for God's purposes. We even have sayings for that. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. What are they talking about? Saying you go through hardships, but it, it actually helps you. Or in biblical terms, James 1, it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may mature, complete, Lacking nothing. Listen, I want you to trust in the sovereignty of God. There are people and there are entities that have, that have meant evil for you, but I want you to understand, our God's going to Aikido that stuff. And all that strength, all that fury, all that hardship, all that pain, if you belong to Christ Jesus, he's going to use every single thing to promote your good, to promote your character. So I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you were like one of Jesus' disciples when the man who is known to run through graves and cut himself and all this kind of stuff, you're probably like, why are we here, Jesus? Why did you tell us to come here? I'm scared. I don't want to be here. But listen, if you are in that mode, if you're in that life experience, like, I don't want to be here. I, don't, I hate what is going on. It feels excruciating. You need to trust that God can use the utmost evil and he can turn it around for your good. Now, now the passage, the passage was already weird, but it gets weirder, okay? In verse 10, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. What? A large herd of pigs were there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. What? 
What's going on here? One thing we need to learn is that spiritual evil flocks to evil places. Think about the question in verse 10. He said, whatever you do, can you let us stay up in here? Why, why would that even matter? Why, why do they want to be in the region of the Gerasenes? What, what is going on? Listen, it was a place that did not have a high regard for the God of the Scriptures. It was a place where, where, where the name of, of God was not known, where, where, where they didn't follow the, the, the Scriptures, and, and they're like, we like it right here. See, evil flocks, evil spirits flock to places that do not honor God. I want you to understand something. The occult is real. And it's powered by the demonic. I remember when I was younger, I was trying to give some spiritual counsel uh, to, to a friend. And, and she was going through a lot of struggles. She was, she was having these nightmares and things like that. And I said, what you been doing? She said, well, I've been reading the Satanic Bible. And I said, well, that might be your problem. You're messing around with evil stuff. You're messing around with evil stuff. If you're going to mess around with evil stuff, don't be surprised if evil stuff makes its home in your life. In fact, places of unrepentant sin, they're areas where demons flock to. Think about the modern examples of, of greed. Of sex. Think about that. The, there are there are institutions and areas that are dedicated to vice. It should not be surprising that a demon would go. I want to stay up in this region, which means for you that you should be careful where you walk. You should be careful who you hang around with. You should be careful the places you go. Unless you should be careful the sites that you visit. Because there are places that are, that, are, that are pleasing to the demonic, and you could find yourself just chilling there. Don't think you will be unaffected. So these demons, they wanted to, to chill in that region because they're like, well, it's pretty comfortable for me right here. And we see instantly there's some destruction. Now, I, don't, I don't, can't even imagine 2,000 pigs, really. That's a lot of pigs. I can't, like, in my mind, I can't imagine that. I also can't imagine 2,000 dead pigs, like, in some water. Like, it's just not a nice sight. But the reality is that spiritual evil seeks to destroy God's creation. Now, this story gets a little more interesting, okay? Verse 14, the men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there in his right mind. They were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs, and they began to beg him to leave their region. So I've, I've always thought that the request to go into the pigs and then drown the pigs was strange. Is that not, like, what, what is going on there? What this passage teaches is that we need to beware of the schemes of Satan. Listen, the pigs were these people's livelihood. They were pig herders. That's how they made their money, okay? And they suffered a great economic loss. You lose your whole herd. You don't got no insurance, right? You're up a creek. The commentator, the old commentator Matthew Henry, he says, Now the demons had what they wanted, for there is no means by which evil spirits more powerfully manage sinful souls than by the love of the world. Why did they kill these pigs? To manipulate these people, 
so that they wouldn't see who Jesus was. If Jesus is going to be near, near me and it costs me something, let me back up. If Jesus is going to, going to be near and it costs me some money, let me back up. If Jesus is going to be near and it costs me some comfort, let me back up. See, these demons had schemed these people into fearing Jesus because of what it might cost for him to be around. The reality is this. The holiness of God is destructive to sin. And so as we get closer to the Lord, there is some destruction that comes to the things that we love sinfully. And if we cling too hard to that, we will be afraid to come to Jesus because of what we may lose. Listen, I, that, that, people don't come to Jesus not because they don't think he's nice, not because they don't think he's kind. They think, what will I lose? What thing do I love to do that I, that I won't be able to do anymore? And then if you are so convinced that the thing that you love to do, you can't do anymore, you will run from the one who would save you and show you something better. We have to beware of the schemes of Satan. Because Satan makes a wager with us. It's, it's all the way back in the garden. Like God says to Adam and Eve, listen, I will give you life. It will be eternal. It will be great. And then Satan comes and goes, did he really say that? Did he really say, actually, he doesn't want your good. He doesn't really want what's good. I, mean, I can show you what's really good. If you do what I say, I'll give you what you really, really want. Listen, that is the battle of our minds that we wouldn't look at what is evil and say, that's what I really want. But we would understand that if we walk down the path of evil, we will not get what we want. We will get chains and bondage. But if we're willing to let go of the sinful things that would hold us captive, we could experience true freedom and forgiveness in Christ. So these, these folks are so concerned about their livelihood. Think about it. Now, you know they had to know about this man that was roaming around, they pigs, cutting himself. They had to, like, he's screaming. They had to have seen him. Instead of going, Jesus, could you stay here a little bit? If you helped him, maybe you can help me. Never mind about the man who was, who was demonized that is now in his right mind. Listen, they valued their prophets over the healing power of God. Listen, even if you're going to bring some forgiveness and some freedom, don't touch my pocket. You can go somewhere, Jesus. This is the heart of idolatry. When we take something and we value it over the presence and word of Jesus. Now, we look at verse 18. We see that Jesus sends his delivered people to testify about him. Look at verse 18. It says, as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly, that, that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Now this man's request, it's understandable, yeah? You, I wanna, Jesus, I don't want to be with these people that love pigs and stuff. Like, I want to be with you. They're telling you to leave. I want to go with you. Why can't I come? Who would not want to be with the one who delivered them? Yet Jesus wanted him to stay and testify about what the Lord had done. I want you to understand, this is one of the first times in, in the New Testament when, when a Gentile area heard the message about Jesus. 
He looked at the man who was free, the man who was sane, the man who was in his right mind and says, no, I got a mission for you. I want you to go back to the people who are like you, and I want you to tell them about what I have done for you. Here's the reality. The reason that you are still here, Christian, is, and, and that you're not yet in heaven is so that you could testify about what God has done for you. That's why you are here right now. Because if we just keep it 100, wouldn't it be better if we wasn't? The world's jacked up sometimes, but Jesus has you here so that you can testify about his grace, about what he has done for you. And what I love about it is, one thing I love about a church is that we have people from all types of backgrounds that, that have different life experiences. Listen, listen, if all of us went to go testify to our people, whatever that means, a lot of different kind of people are going to hear about Jesus, yeah? So, this, this points to the gospel that Jesus delivers us. He delivered, delivered us from the do, domain of Satan. In Colossians 1.13, it says, God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loved. So you can look at that man who, who was roaming around mountains and cutting himself and go, he's obviously controlled by the kingdom of Satan. But the Bible says that everybody is that we're all deceived, that we all tend to, to value things that we think will give us pleasure over the God who loves us. And then we have the truth that is in Jesus. He tells us the truth so that we are not deceived. And not only that, Jesus died in our place so that we are not crushed by shame. And Jesus rose from the dead, and the same, that same power brings us to God. See, Jesus died and rose again to set us free from the domain and the power of Satan. Remember, demons tempt, right? Jesus gives you power to say no. Satan accuses. If your sin is constantly being brought to your mind over and over and over again, and you just feel condemnation and shame, that's not what God has for you. But what do we do with that condemnation and shame? We go, no, Jesus died for my sin. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to sugarcoat it. It's paid for. It's done with. I can move on. Listen, what this teaches us is this, that we have to make no room for Satan. In Ephesians 4, 26, 27, it says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. What is he talking about? He's saying if you just dwell up in sin, if you don't seek repentance, you're putting a big old welcome mat in front of your door for the devil. If you cling to sin with no repentance, you're saying, spiritual evil, could you come here, please? Could you wreak havoc in my life? We don't need to give spiritual evil an opportunity by ongoing sin. Listen, if you're trapped in the cycle of sin, it will be important that you would confess it to God and that you would confess it to other Christians so that you can have freedom and not stay in the domain of Satan. Also, we don't give the devil opportunity by imprudent relationships or locations. Remember that whole region thing? Let me stay over here. I like it over here. Listen, you need to be prudent about where you go and what you put in front of your eyes. If you're, not, if you're not prudent about that, and if you, do, if you do foolishness, again, there's the welcome mat. Come on over here. 
I feel like in, in, in the West, we have this view that spiritual evil is like kind of real, but not really real. But, but I want you to know something. Our church has seen spiritual evil before. We have had to deal with the demonic. We have had to deal with someone who is being controlled and animated by the demonic. It's not fake. It's real. It's real. And when we had further conversations with that person, trying to figure out, what, what was you doing? How did you get to this? He was messing around with witchcraft. It's not fake. It's real. Do not give Satan an opportunity by ongoing sin or imprudent relationships or locations. This scripture calls us to testify to what the Lord has done in your life. That's why you're here. In Philippians 1, 23 and 24, Paul says, I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. In other words, saying, Paul was like, I don't really want to mess around with y'all. I want to go be with Jesus. But me being here helps you. That, that should be what you would say. Listen, it would be better if we were with Jesus, we'd be done with his pain and suffering, but I'm here so that I could be a, a, a producer of good and hope in those around me. God has you here to reach people like you, whatever like you is. Listen, each of you has a unique testimony that can reach a particular kind of person. Yet we are often embarrassed or afraid of sharing what the Lord has delivered us from. We don't want people to hear that or know that or, or, or associate us with this sin or that sin. See, listen, ironically, I hear that some say their testimony is too sinful, so they're afraid to say it. And then I hear the others say, well, my testimony isn't eventful enough. It isn't enough sin, so I don't want to share it. That lets me know, no matter what it is, there's going to be temptation to not share what the Lord has done in your life. Listen, even with all those excuses, tell people your story of what God has done for you because that's why you are here. And you might tell your story and you might tell it to somebody and they go, oh my goodness, God set you free from what? Maybe he can do that for me too. I want to land a plane, but I just want to say this. If you feel, you feel oppressed, by spiritual evil, I want you to come to the elders. Because we want to talk and we want to pray with you. This, the, the ministry that Jesus started, his ministry of healing and deliverance, it continues in the church. And I don't want you to be in here being tormented by evil. And we not know it and we not seek to help. So if that's you, come talk to us. We want to pray with you. We want to speak God's truth to you. We want to make sure that you understand that freedom is found in Christ. Because the fact is, Jesus defeats spiritual evil in our lives. He will do away with all spiritual evil when he comes back. That's our hope. That's our confidence. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your scripture. It teaches us uh, reality. It gives us the lenses to look and see what's really happening. Lord, I just pray right now for, for anybody in this room who hears my voice, who, who may be tempted and tormented by spiritual evil. Lord, I ask that you would give them freedom in Jesus. 
Father, your word says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he healed and delivered then, he can heal and deliver now. Lord, help us to be prudent. Help us to not cling to ongoing hidden sin. Help us not uh, uh, walk in places or put things in front of our eyes that would, that would be an, an invitation for the evil one. Help us to be holy, to long for you, to trust in you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.